0: in better light everything changes
1: so we can Hi, welcome to Story Guts. I'm Alice Lai.
0: I'm Molly Curran. uh, And this is where we explore what the stories we tell, tell about us.
1: And the the name of the podcast is called Story Guts. Yeah! Alright. Did we say say Story Guts?
0: You did. You you started with it. You opened it. Oh, okay.
1: Well, I'll I'll just edit this part out.
0: No, it's fine. <laughs> it's it's the human the human touch.
1: The human touch of just not remembering what you said five seconds ago. Um... Uh,
0: based on my extensive listening to podcasts, that seems to happen a lot with the with the intro stuff and the outro stuff. <laughs> I feel like a lot of stuff ends up either getting repeated or slipping through, or people being like, "Wait did did I say that? Did mm, have I said my name? Do people know who I am? Does it matter? I don't
1: know." <laughs> getting existential there all right so um this week we are talking about depression comedies which is uh a great and well-known it's gonna be a tv-centered podcast we're kind of thinking um bojack horseman crazy ex-girlfriend uh please like me a cult classic i want to say i want to say because like a show no one has heard of seems harsh but a well-known show seems like inaccurate so Please Like Me, like a slice of life comedy. Like
0: an indie comedy.
1: <laughs> indie comedy, okay. Um, from Australia, and kind of like in the vein, va- and also like girls, kind of, though none of us have seen the later seasons.
0: And You're the Worst is another one I'll want to talk about. Oh,
1: You're the Worst, okay.
0: Um, But, yeah, I'm trying to, as we go, I'll try and scour my brain to see if I can come up with any non-television examples, but... Um... I feel like TV is sort of where I've seen this
1: done mm. the most. There's um, there's TV, and I think there's, like, autobiographical memoir is kind of like the second. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't say it's depression comedy, but I do... I've, I'm forgetting, but there's one that's, like, the Adderall Diaries. That one's, like, not necessarily... Maybe not depression, maybe not... But it's, like, yeah. Or David Sedaris, like... Where it's not... They're not depression comedies. There's more. They're more, like... Like grim like or like morbid humor but like not about death just about bad situations (laughs) yeah Uh um
0: there's also um there's a podcast called the the hilarious world of depression um which i have not yet listened to but i really want to i hear very good things about it um where i think it's a lot of like comedians and other sort of funny people talking about you know living with depression and (laughs) all all the ways in which it can be weirdly funny and it's just
1: <laughs> total I don't know
0: <laughs> and it's just total scraping out of your identity <laughs> and sense of self and at a certain point that gets kind of funny oh there's also um that great um hyperbole and a half oh famously did of that. course yeah yeah uh that great comic um comic about Depression. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of parts that were specifically about like her experience with depression. Mm-hmm. Um Ali she... Brosch, I believe is her name.
1: Would you include Altered Comics? You know, the one I have no like, idea what that is. You know, it's it's just like you have like three figures. There's like a human, there's like one figure that's green, it's labeled empathy, and one figure that's red, labeled, I don't know, anger. And then I don't know, they're like punching each other until like a really the the crap out of each other and like extremely large figure named depression comes and like punches both of them and then the human figure is like yeah i don't know i mean a lot of his work um can be characterized by anthropomorphize and he shares a lot of his comics
0: hmm yeah i don't i don't think i know it but i mean um but you know maybe i feel like i mean i feel like it's definitely a accurate statement to say that a lot of like a a lot of the the work creative work that's being done on depression tends to be more humorous in nature, I think um, at least contemporarily, I feel like the 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 link between like comedy and depression seems to be like uh pretty firmly established in a lot of people's minds um, but like the extent to which that accurately captures. Depression maybe kind of like up for
1: right. It's like if you're depressed, why aren't you more funny? Um...
0: <laughs> That's what I ask myself. I'm like, mm, not really. Well,
1: <laughs> not, not you do
0: find you do find certain things funny. Um, wait, so before we start, I want I just want to tell this story because I think it's one of the funniest depression stories. Okay, sure. Ever so um, a couple years back. Oh, maybe that was just last year. Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, very, very, very depressed. I was in my worst depression I've ever been in. Um, and you know, I was seeing a therapist every week and seeing a psychiatrist and, um, but it was just miserable. And I was living alone for the first time, um, in this apartment that, uh, I was on the top floor three floors. I was on the top floor of the apartment and, um, the, the woman who lived in the apartment next to me always had her TV on just like all day, all night. I could always hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very distinctly remember there was one day, um, where I was just, I felt so horrible, just like so low. Um, and I was just crying cause I was, I was a crier, like during that time, uh, <laughs> I was a major crier. Um, so I was just crying and crying and crying. Um, and was just like, I'm feeling like kind of, you know how you kind of get that feeling of like, man, look how like aesthetically depressed I am. (laughs) If somebody saw me, they'd be like, look at this pathetic picture. Uh Um, Like it's just true despair. So I'm crying and crying (laughs) and I'm like on the ground, like I'm on the ground of my, uh, on the sort of floor of my apartment in my living room, just kind of like crying. Um, (laughs) And then uh, from, from below, from the apartment below the, all I hear, just sort of like subtly coming up through the, through the floor, is men, 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 manly men, 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 men. This woman was watching Two and a Half Men while I was trying to, you know, have my very deep, dark, depressed moment, <laughs> and I just was sitting there crying as the Two and a Half Men theme song was playing, and I never felt so absurd, but also like it kind of it jolted something me in me like it was (laughs) it was i was like oh no this is like there the 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 aesthetic beauty of my depression is broken this is now just (laughs) the absurdity of it like just the absolute Mm -hmm. ridiculousness um so that's one of my favorite stories i just love to tell
1: right and before actually i still don't know what two and a half men is about apparently it's like renewed it's a comedy it's not very good um, I keep thinking it's about lawyers, but I think it's because I keep thinking of twelve angry men. Um Two and
0: a half just... men. It's it's done. It's it's a very bad comedy They, they that finished starred...
1: the third man.
0: Well, it started Charlie Sheen and um Is he still alive? Oh. Yeah, Charlie Sheen is still oh, alive. I, I
1: kind of thought he overdosed at some point.
0: Um, no, I don't believe so. I believe he's still alive. Um but he did leave the show. His character was killed off, I think um and was replaced by Ashton Kutcher. I don't know. It it was not it was very bad. It was f- fairly misogynistic um and just lazy, lazy writing. Um but it was just basically the most uh sort of humiliating soundtrack you could imagine <laughs> to like to like me trying to have this like like depressive moment you know you you want right, like right, yeah. the soundtrack of your depression to be like yeah put on some Sufjan stevens but right, like no 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 i wasn't afforded that dignity
1: like if if you know if as i die my like if saint peter at the gates is like i'm gonna replay like your your moments moments highlights from your life it's you don't want <laughs> the, the intro for two and a half men to be the right uh, yeah okay but um
0: anyway so i guess all that is to say uh Certainly going into this topic, I feel like I have some experience, um, and some, you know, thoughts on why I love depression comedy so much as a genre, um, and why some of these have, like, stuck with me as much as they have.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. Uh, do you want to start, I mean, where do you, I guess, where do you want to start? I mean, I think, uh, like, BoJack Horseman, something we've both seen, Girls. Yeah, let's uh... talk
0: about BoJack Horseman. I feel like that's a, uh... Yeah, it's ple- a great place to start
1: right uh please tune in um so th- so watch listeners of our other podcast bo jacking it uh will be very familiar <laughs> with uh what we're saying but we're gonna have to ask you to put up with it i'm sorry we're gonna have to we're gonna have to retread some ground here <gasps>
0: sorry i need to... okay <laughs> um yeah so bojack horseman is a uh, Netflix original um, animated show that is about uh, it's like a world where where animals are like upright and walking and like hang out with people and I, I don't know anthropomorphized well, animals. Well,
1: yeah, I mean it, it was I think I think describing it as like you know a washed up Hollywood celebrity is attempting to uh, yeah. But, and also they are all animals. <laughs> like most, of, man, there are many animals. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: I guess like the, the plot doesn't really hinge on them being animals. There's just a lot of jokes.
1: There's a lot of jokes. Um,
0: a plus jokes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the, the main character is Bojack Horseman, who is a horse man. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's, a, he's a washed up actor who was in a sitcom um, in the 90s. 80s 90s and um, is now basically just a very depressed cynical alcoholic uh, <laughs> mess self-saboteur
1: oh that's a good that's um. a nice term <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think um, and I think what is what's really gotten it kind of starts more like a traditional um, show where it's like this person making horrible decisions and everyone's and sort of bouncing back from it repeatedly (laughs) and I think like the first three episodes I watched of it I was like I don't really get it this guy's a jerk and everyone's like enabling him but as the show goes on to me um, I I thought it was really funny it's still really funny but it's just sort of like this guy and some of his like people around him they're like they're holding it together or unable like you know not like barely holding it together to like actually have failed to hold together um just this uh themselves under the pressure of kind of living the contradictory lifestyles they live and which is to say they're very which is not to say they're they're like they're very empathetic um and then just sort of to see the the, like the main character i think bojack horseman the horseman um i think he clearly it's he clearly does suffer from depression and i think it's it's interesting to see the way the show kind of the way the show take like it takes him on a wonderful journey of self-destructiveness and attempts to rehabilitate himself
0: yeah i i agree like i think when i first started watching i remember distinctly like the first couple episodes being like this show is unwatchable. Why are people saying that it's good? <laughs> um, because I thought it was just sort of just kind of trying to be edgy or something. Yeah. Like it was trying to be like, look at this cynical man sort of saying these ridiculous things. And okay, they're like horses and it's a cartoon. So it's like extra sort of edgy <laughs> and funny. That that real, you know, cool South Park humor or whatever. Right. Um, but then as you watch and it gets more... Um, sort of serial in terms of its storytelling mm-hmm. uh, as well as, you know, you, you get the development of Bojack but also the characters around him. I'm thinking especially of Diane who also sort of deals with depression in, I think it's the second season in a way that I just thought was so beautifully handled. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's The show does a very interesting thing, or I think it walks a very um, a very fine line, because Bojack is a really bad person sometimes, and he does, he does some shit, <laughs> we will say. Um, and we kind of, we know sort of why he is the way he is, um, but that doesn't really excuse some of the horrible things that he does and the show really walks a very fine line of trying to understand like this is a person who is um you know traumatized and mentally ill and sort of suffering in these particular ways and this is a person who is like hurting other people Mm -hmm. and making really bad decisions um and I think I think that's like kind of a common uh thing that comes up when you try to portray people with mental illness of like recognizing their agency like that doesn't give them free reign to just be hurtful Mm. um but also sort of understanding their motivations
1: Mm. and i think in uh at least in bojack's case uh there's the show also kind of acknowledges that he's basically has unlimited money Uh, yeah (laughs) so 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 it's definitely a different different take is sort of like it's not necessarily that he doesn't have the resources uh resources to seek help it's just that he's um Kind of so wrapped up in this like uh this macho or image or like the masculine conception of self, whatever that mm-hmm. means that uh he's unable to sort of seek help he's unable to you know hold people close without making it um like or he's unable to show emotional vulnerability and like kind of the ways that this tears him up, and then there's also like you know random jokes about you know Mr. peanut butter or abortion
0: mr peanut butter is a is it a, a dog with a very um upbeat <laughs> uh, attitude
1: i actually um okay okay i actually met someone and i was like i think um i was like i i became friends with someone and i was like you know i was i asked her like have you seen bojack horseman and she was like i haven't which is a shame because one of her friends i swear is like human mr peanut butter
0: Oh my like it's, God. it's like very,
1: like not obviously not like one for one, but like very very yeah. similar. Like if I imagine, if I like had to compare, compare him. Are there, is there construction noises in the background?
0: Okay, yeah, that's it. That's all right.
1: Okay, all right. Um, Always something
0: going on at your place.
1: Yeah, it's it's like all the new development. It's like pretty wild. Um, anyways, yeah. Sorry, back to BoJack. <laughs> But, I think um, sort of going back to the the theme, it's you know it is kind of interesting. Like I was trying to find uh, or try and rack my brain for books or games um, since that's kind of like my corner, um, and I couldn't really well I couldn't really think of this as a new genre. And I think um, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I think I wanna I wanna sort. Of as we go on kind of think about this topic like you know why why do we feel that i mean part of it's like maybe like everyone's kind of more like more mentally uh, like willing to acknowledge that depression is real um we're like why does depression why do we need for depression to be like what i guess it's i guess okay okay i've, I've, I've arrived at a thesis <laughs> okay um it seems like the the existence of depression comedies is like part of the mental health movement to sort of acknowledge a fuller humanity of depressed people it's like depressed people are not just sad sacks like you know it's 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 like we had like the when we were growing up that horrible um like you know oh the emo people who like slit their wrists or whatever or whatever which is you know not great uh, but but at the very least part of it's like because depression comedies is not using depressed people as a punchline um frequently as in like the shows we talk about BoJack Horseman crazy ex girlfriend etc it's like these it's sort of like this this is the full experience of a depressed person which contains both funny moments and like moments of like heartbreaking self sabotage yeah um,
0: um to kind of follow up with what you're saying. I guess I was also thinking about sort of this as a, is this a newer genre? And I feel like the answer is not exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Because really, if we think back, like, Hamlet is a tragedy, but there's a lot of very, very funny scenes in it. Hamlet is sort of notoriously thought to be sort of a depressed character, (laughs) Uh um, but he's very... Funny. He says some like very witty things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really good humor to be found in Hamlet. And I've I've heard people say they think Hamlet is the funniest of <laughs> Shakespeare's plays, um, but I feel like it's the the sort of package that it's in is is one of tragedy, and I almost wonder if um, we we've, we've expanded the parameters of what can fit into comedy now mm-hmm. to the extent that. Um, comedy doesn't have to mean that you have this kind of, like, happy ending, um, but instead that you, there's a lot of being able to find the humor, um, well, okay, so obviously in Shakespeare's time, comedy didn't necessarily relate to humor exactly, it had to do with structure, but (laughs) bear with me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, but like, you know, we sort of tip the scales where you can have, like, any, any depressing, movie or any, like, thing about depression usually features some humor. That's, we call it comic relief. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's, there is something different about sort of insisting, um, or something sort of modern. I'm doing air quotes, but you can't. (laughs) Something (laughs) modern about, uh, um, the idea that, that the genre of depression is comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a, a stronger claim, um, sort of more contemporarily, where there's room for... It's not that there's room for humor besides the tragedy, but rather that there's humor to be found in the tragedy, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm i am sort of thinking about... Um, well, I'm thinking about two things. One of them is sort of like... Uh, <laughs> It's like if you go into the novelty stores and there's a lot of alcoholicism like jokey al- like jokey vintage alcoholicism like things like alcoholism you know, alcoholism oh jeez it's like you know don't wake me up until after my seventh glass of wine i don't know um okay this is un- okay so that's that was probably not very related what i'm trying to say is actually i wonder to what extent um these comedies are very... I I should edit those noises out. Um, culturally situated, like, of the time, right? Um, for example, like, right now, uh, we recognize uh, binging, or like, a, a punchline, you know, binging Netflix while, like, not really... Uh, or going to Twitter and then, like, typing Twitter in the taskbar again and hitting enter, and then you're at the exact same thing, and this is repeating that a few times. Um, and, like, that's that those are, like, those are very of-the-times signifiers. Like, you know, I'm trying to... And, you know, I think of-the-time is also, like, you know, depression comedy has given us the emptiness of, like, the inability to fill up the hours. I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, I think I heard somebody comment about BoJack Horseman that, um, that they felt like it was, it was made sort of, it was specifically crafted for the people on Netflix who binge watch because those are their depressed viewers. Oh my God. They're, they're people, these people who just, I mean, these people like me who just sit (laughs) and will watch hour and hour and hour and hour. Of, of netflix um to fill up the hours to fill up time because the the sort of preeminent feeling of depression a lot of the time is just one of boredom mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know
0: it's doing anything to sort of like just keep yourself awake
1: yeah like in in, in this world basically um yeah
0: exactly um, so, like, something like BoJack Horseman, which is this, you know, the Netflix original, everything drops in a day. I I think the first season I maybe took a little more slowly, but since then I, I definitely have binge-watched them as they've come out. Um, <laughs> and they're not, I mean, they're they're funny, but they're not always easy to watch.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, I want to say, I want to shout out to our mutual friend was paid a thousand dollars to watch the first season of ojack horseman it's oh something that continually blows my mind and like yeah i mean i, I just thought of it earlier and I, it was all i all i could do um not to just blurt it out while you're talking it's like oh by the way our friend was do you remember our friend was paid yeah it was apparently um one of her friends someone that I we know now that she actually doesn't like very much um right
0: well gosh don't don't advertise that what if they hear it
1: Oh, jeez! I've said every identifying piece of information required. To ident- um, uh, all right, all right. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. <onward. laughs> uh, don't
0: worry. No one will listen to this. Uh, um- but okay. Yeah. Did it's... we want to say anything else about Bojack Horseman?
1: Well, I mean, this this secret will die because it's locked in the most secure of containers, which is a, a relatively unknown podcast. It's, exactly um, great. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think um, nothing very sub- substantive. I guess just sort of like there there's going to be a new season. It's interesting how the ending of most seasons, I think, tries to end up with an up note that kind of just, more or less, very quickly translates to a down note. I think the structure of um, each season of BoJack Horseman has kind of been like there's always, you always know that something really terrible is going to happen, um, about like two or three episodes from the end, and the last episodes usually, like, I'm trying to remember, I know this season, I think the last season where he ends on the running note.
0: Yeah, that was, I feel like, one of the most upbeat of the, or like, most like to me that's still one of the most like mm-hmm. realistic but upbeat mm-hmm. and season 2 by the way is to me a perfect season of television mm-hmm. like i i just think it's perfect yeah um, season 3 was great as well but season 1 or season 2 was just whew, phenomenal
1: <laughs> yeah um...
0: um but yeah you, exactly like there's always sort of some horrible thing that happens right toward the end of the season and then there's kind of an equilibrium that's reached Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if that's necessarily true in the latest season,
1: not not particularly. I mean, think yeah. I think he hits kind of his well. It's easy to say he hit his lowest point in season two during that. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, But he hits another lowest point in season three. It's it's hard. It's interesting. The points just get lower. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And I think this is something that's interesting. Like, definitely tell me about it. Like, when you're talking about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend or You're the Worst, because those have had multiple seasons. It's like, how do we navigate? Like, part of it is about um, the difficulty of getting out of depression. Like, how does the show navigate that? I mean, without... Becoming farcical, like I think that's some of the like you don't want to see like Bojack Horseman can do this, um, like on in a in a micro scale like often within an episode he has like a revelation and then a backtrack and then like a revelation and then backtrack mm-hmm. and um you see this on like a larger scale over one season but like how many times can you do that before it feels unnecessarily cruel? <laughs> um, well,
0: it's hard too because there's there's a, I think there's a. A, a conflict I don't know not a conflict, but there's there's a sort of a conundrum there um because that's not an unrealistic way of experiencing you know mm-hmm. depression and and yeah. mental illness and sort of all the things Bojack's going through like to to have it be in these cycles to have up periods and then down periods and you know to have hope and then to have no hope um, mm-hmm. but as viewers. At what point does that become not entertaining or not, um, you know, at what point does that start feeling so rote that, you know, we we just want, like, can't he change? Can't something good happen to him? Mm -hmm. Um, And it sucks because, like, in real life, like, sometimes, yes, but sometimes, like, it's not. That direct a route, you know? Upward. Right. It's not.
1: It's not easy. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's absolutely true. That's like, it's not easy, and it's and it will be a disservice to to like you know have the main character be able to turn their lives around instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that's so often not the live truth of people with depression. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's something I'm, I'm sort of thinking about with the next season.
0: I agree because I thought season three. I was like, if they just you Know immediately have him crash and go through all this stuff again, like that's gonna feel really cheap, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he's again sort of on a down note, so maybe we'll sort of see more of an upswing. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see. That does remind me though. Um, oh, if if we can,
1: whatever, just is that yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Seriously. I'm just
0: gonna okay. Uh, because in terms of like the entertainment value of watching, um Of watching someone be depressed uh that was a huge thing that came out in um in the show you're the worst so you're the worst Mm -hmm. is a sitcom i think it was on either fx or ff fxx i don't know they've got multiple (laughs) channels it's whatever um about this uh man and this woman who are basically just kind of both uh the worst like they're just not they're not that great of people and they're not very good at doing relationships and they end up hooking up and then kind of deciding um you know maybe we'll try to make this into a relationship but we'll do it our way Mm -hmm. and a lot of the first season is sort of um sort of your standard like anti-rom-com rom-com where Mm -hmm. um you know they're both sort of like strongly resisting all these tropes of of uh, of romance, while you know, enacting them as they grow closer, um, mm-hmm. but then in season two, um, one of the the main character, the woman um, who's named Gretchen, uh, just sort of out of the blue, um, enters a depressive episode, and it's revealed that she has been depressed her whole life, um, and she talks about how she can't, she doesn't, she doesn't know why it happens. She doesn't know, you know, how to make it stop. It just sort of like comes on her and she's depressed. And she, she tells her boyfriend, um, Jimmy, she's like, you know, you don't need to do anything. Just know you can't fix me. Um, Mm -hmm. but sort of as she grows more and more depressed throughout the season, um, she withdraws more and more, um, Mm -hmm. not just from, jimmy but from sort of the, sh- the the show from action there's several there's i think there's like one entire episode where she like literally says almost nothing she just like is wrapped in a blanket <laughs> she oh, just wow. like wrapped in a blanket and is just like watching things as they happen Wow. um and there's there's a yeah there's a degree to which she becomes not uh not sort of entertaining and she's not sort of the wild uh kicky girl that she was before (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and and um and I remember reading an interview with um the the producer or something sort of saying like you know it was a real risk to have this actress um basically take such a step back like Mm -hmm. it was a risk for her it was a risk for the show to just sort of like have have one of your main characters become basically like a non-actor like not not doing anything but it felt like the most true thing um, and I still like to me that is one of the most resonant um, examples of, of sort of the depression comedy that I've seen because of that um, that moment where it slips from what I recognize more like the moment where it slips from just this sort of like wild self-destructiveness into this just kind of like uh i don't know almost non-existence Mm -hmm. um and that they're sort of still able to find the humor around it i mean is great like like i said there's when she's like wrapped up in a blanket it's very funny (laughs) like it's very funny to watch her sort of in her blanket kind of like poking her head out uh just being like what's going on um but uh but yeah it's it's really um I don't know. I thought it was a very beautiful depiction and very very, uh, very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the third season yet. Uh, it has, it has come out. I think I was waiting for it to go up on Hulu, which I think it, it, it may have recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know in the third season, she starts going to therapy. Um, her therapist is played by Samira Wiley, who people know from Orange is a New Black. And she's oh, also okay. now on The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Um, she's great and uh and she starts i think maybe starts taking medication stuff like that um mm-hmm. but that i i'll be cool. interested to see sort of how they handle that um sort of like recovery story um after the way that season 2 sort of handled the the just the mundanity of depression i think was mm-hmm. what it did really well
1: no oh, that sounds really cool i think that's and that's something that we don't really see a lot is therapy and medication as uh, kind of the ways you can try to climb back out. Um, no, no, that's cool. Uh, I, I mean, I say this all the time, but I still need... To, I, I should watch it. Um,
0: you should. Okay, <laughs> also, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is another show where um, the the main character who suffers from... They're, they're never entirely clear exactly what she is dealing with, but I know she takes medication and she sees a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she's depressed um, at least among other things. Um, But she sort of is trying to, the whole premise of the show is like, this woman is trying to fill the void of depression with love. And it's just like, oh, if she can just get someone to love her, Mm -hmm. um, if she can get the, the the sort of this man that she's idealized Mm -hmm. really this, boy that she's idealized it's somebody who she knew in her youth like in in her childhood when she sort of had some originating traumas of course Uh and so she's like oh if i can just get that that boy to love me you know that will fill all the the emptiness inside yeah um but yeah and that's another example where uh you you sort of see i think that that actually ties back because you both see the the Uh, the sort of steps toward management and recovery Mm -hmm. which for her do involve uh medication and Mm -hmm. therapy um but you also see like with bojack horseman someone whose self-destructiveness is also really harmful for other people Mm -hmm. um and she isn't let off the hook for that um I, the the creator who is also the star um or co creator she she talked about how she sort of saw the character um as a as a sort of like singing a uh, a singing walter white
1: um, oh my which, God. <laughs>
0: um, which i think is a little extreme but uh the show's a musical um and yeah she's she she does some really terrible things um but yeah it's <laughs> funny about it I don't know and mm-hmm. and and empathetic yeah um, yeah sorry I'm going off on things you haven't read oh no, one last fine. thing about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend though there's a song in the first season uh called I think it's called You Ruined Everything um and it is the realist like inner monologue of when you're just in a super self-hating depressive mode um so she's like in this like beautiful ball gown and it's like just this sort of like diva song on a stage with just the spotlights Mm -hmm. um and she just starts singing like you ruined everything you stupid bitch you ruined everything (laughs) you stupid stupid bitch and that's like it's just her like berating herself um Mm -hmm. and it's just like oof it really gets me every single time it's like Mm -hmm. just devastatingly raw um, and still funny. I don't know. It is funny in mm-hmm. the way that, like, I guess me crying on the floor while two deaf men <laughs> <played from laughs> plays below was in the funny. background, like, it's just because you you recognize the just absurd reality of it.
1: Right. It's the the level to which I don't know. You're like, this is yeah, like this is absurd that I'm feeling this way, but I also like there's you you you've got to laugh, I guess. <laughs> Is kind of like the. Uh,
0: do you do you remember uh, that episode of Parks and Recreation where Chris has the flu? Uh, the Rob Lowe's character, and he's like in the in the he's like the super fit guy. You said Rob like,
1: Lowe's character as if I, <laughs> I was sorry. Down. Okay, yeah.
0: the super fit guy, you know, who's like always running and stuff,
1: y- no. and like very
0: positive. Literally. <laughs> Nope. No? Okay. Well, anyway, he's in the hospital. He has, uh, he's like always super, super fit. So he's like freaking out because he's sick and he has the flu mm-hmm. and he has diarrhea. And he just like, he's just like to himself is just like, stop pooping. <laughs> um But I, I weirdly always think of that. Like when I'm (laughs) like when I'm on a crying jag or something, where it's just like you can't stop your body from having these stupid responses, and you're just like, stop crying. (laughs) 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 Sorry, that was very random. That's
1: actually no, no, no. That's that's great.
0: Uh, Um. Anyway, so that's uh, I hopefully we'll get the chance to talk. I really want to talk about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend more because I think it's. One of the smartest shows ever, um, but mm-hmm. I think in terms of the depression thing, I sort of summed up the 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 main things about it. Um, so yeah. we we could talk about something you've actually
1: right, right. Well, we'll, we'll have to actually. I'll have to watch it. Um, you this,
0: you so. should. It's phenomenal. Yeah. This um, is like
1: I watch it if you watch a second horror movie. Actually, um, no. I mean, yeah. that does is that even a thing? I don't even. No, whatever. Maybe. I'll just watch it. In
0: so. fairness, I've watched two. Well, I watched two horror movies. Get out. I'll watch two this year. Okay. I've not watched Get Out yet. I really want to. Um I will are, watch Get Out.
1: Are you counting Handmaid's Tale as horror?
0: No, I okay. we watched uh the the Following. It follows. it follows. It follows.
1: It follows. What a classic. Um Okay. Uh well, I mean I was going to talk a little bit about Rick and Morty, but it's not there's not a lot to it. Um it's it's more like incidentally one of the characters is shown as kind of depressed but the show is kind of also unapologetic about it um i might return to the show later but for now i'm just going to table it sorry rick and morty friends fans friends <laughs> uh,
0: friends fans. and fans of rick and morty
1: yeah um you can listen to it more on our shared podcast just rick and it um <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, they're really all of our other podcasts are really just variations on one joke um but if we if you want to go back, I was actually watching uh, more Please Like Me uh lately. It's like the third season or the, the latest season?
0: The latest season. I haven't seen it yet.
1: Yeah, which is uh. so I'll avoid yeah, but I think um I think it it is kind of notable. I think one do, of the Do you one...
0: wanna talk a little bit more about like what it is? Just yeah, so yeah. give a brief
1: okay. Yeah, for sure. Um so so in a way, it's a like Australian slice of life, um kind of I want to say sick. Sitcom- it's like it's like very rooted in like real experiences while also being like very very funny um kind of partially about like it definitely touches upon mental illness i think um like part of the plot of the first season's kind of uh like while well, the main character finding out his mother's attempted to commit suicide um while also i mean it's
0: while simultaneously well- like realizing that he's Gay. Like the first episode, it's literally the main character realizes he's gay, Mm -hmm. has his first like romantic experience with a guy, and then immediately thereafter finds out that his mom has attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. But it's a comedy.
1: Right. It's a very
0: funny show. It's a comedy.
1: And I think, um, uh, and I think it's, yeah, like for a part of the second, was it the second season that, um, that Rose is in, uh, -hmm. psychiatric care, um, and that he dates someone with like anxiety. Um, I think it's. I don't know. I mean, I think I think part of part of the show. What's effective about the show is sort of, um, like you said, like the pressure, like just just the, it's like finding the humor in very dark situations. Um, is that accurate? Because As I said, that I'm like trying to come up with a more concrete example. <laughs> Um and less able to.
0: I think I think what Please Like Me does that is really remarkable is that I th- I think it does find humor in some of those types of situations. Mm-hmm. Um but it finds a kind of humor that isn't trying to make you laugh. It's not mm-hmm. it's not it's not even the absurdity. It's like it really is just the 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 realness of it, the way that life mm-hmm. just kind of
1: comes it's, at you fast you know yeah exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes we're no. just like oh isn't life just weird and funny like yeah
1: oh I think and it's I think that so, articulates it seems,
0: it seems so like m- stupid to say that like mundane no, no. but like I feel like Please Like Me just captures that that exact it's it's the slice of life that isn't the wholesome um you know super straight super <laughs> everyone's <laughs> mentally uh healthy everyone's got everything going on everything's got everything together with like Mm -hmm. a few like hijinks it's like slice of life like if you took a slice of my life like (laughs) I I, at least in part you know like I I could see it
1: yeah for sure okay I think what you what you're getting at is a really cool way to sort of say what what is funny about these is some of it's like it's about making you laugh but some of it's just sort of recognizing that um, that living is like that the act of living, the act of like waking up, the going to a job, making food for yourself, whatever, like the, this whole society is really weird, <laughs> um, and like you said, full of self contradictions and full of like kind of these things we expect from ourselves and others that um, are difficult to fulfill like that like you know in a in a in a weird like you know a featureless plane populated by platonic solids like it's like in in total isolation it'd be like absurd to sort of think about like this is what living requires
0: yeah i mean we're we're on this planet that we're killing <laughs> and we're we're sort of living these lives that we know are going to end mm-hmm. and um you know, if you take a step back or you, you think about it too hard for more than a minute, like, it's really scary and really absurd. And, like, the uh-huh. fact that we just sort of keep on living and keep on, you know, seeing the value in these, like, relationships is keep putting ourselves at the mercy of other people and, like, <laughs> humiliating ourselves so that we can, like, go on a date or whatever. Right. Um, it is it is funny. Like, it's it's funny that we do that like it's i don't know like we we could all just sort of give up and uh, sort of you know lay there until we die and and earth burns up and whatever and the sun explodes and i think yeah. i mean maybe that's yeah. sort of like the depression comedy sort of like niche is that the, the depressed person um i think has one of the clearest views of that um that absurdity of that, or... yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes sort of falls into the God, maybe I should just give up and not do anything, um but then you know when when they don't, when we don't, like you know that's that's kind of a powerful thing too, it's and it's maybe especially funny, but maybe also especially like heartening or something, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. like in that specific moment, um yeah, well we're we're nearing the end. Um so do you have any any concluding thoughts uh before you launch into our revered tradition of listing what we've seen read and watched in the last week?
0: Um I don't have anything. Did you want to talk about girls? I don't I don't know that I have anything a, to say about it's girls. It's been a
1: very long time since I've seen it. Um so I kind of just wanted to loop it in in that, you know, I think the first two seasons at least were just sort of uh <laughs> when it was still popular. Um, just extremely real kind of examinations of self, like you know this this self absorption, self destructiveness, Mm -hmm. um, in a way that was funny and also like you know quote unquote too real. Uh, but I'm not sure I have any more.
0: Well, and I think going off girls that that's sort of a good moment to sort of stop to be like all these examples that we've come up with anyway are extremely white. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess. I don't know if we can I mean I would say Bojack Horseman is extremely white. He's a horse, but
1: <laughs> He's a horse, but he's still <laughs> right right. I don't okay. know. It's
0: it's a, if um Yeah, yeah. But like uh you know all of the lead characters in all of these shows that we have talked about are white or a horse. And uh <laughs> and um I think it's interesting that so many of them are female. Um I don't know what I would say about that exactly. Um, Though, I mean, obviously, Lickin' Please Like Me, Josh isn't himself depressed, but it's Mm -hmm. his mother. um, Right. But then it's his boyfriend, who is severely anxious, so I don't Mm -hmm. know. Uh, But anyway, I guess it's just worth sort of, like, noting here um, the the particular kind of limitations of, of... the stories that are being told.
1: Oh, um, absolutely! Yeah. I mean, and it's usually like out. these are
0: fairly affluent people. Um, I think the 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 depression is maybe only <laughs> can only get this funny when you aren't uh, starving Fight. to death right. or fighting, fighting, fighting for to your survive. Life. Yeah. Um. So I don't know, but uh, but it's still a really interesting. I don't know. It's a very interesting genre. I think it's it's got a lot to say and give so yeah. anyway yeah on thanks. to
1: i mean i i've been playing a lot of zelda that has been
0: is this oh. uh, breath of the wind wild breath,
1: breath of the wild <laughs> yeah no i mean i've been playing i've been playing a lot um that's like kind of uh, interesting to me as a person, like this is one of my first 3D Zelda games, and actually it is my first 3D Zelda games, uh, or and which is interesting to me because like as a quote unquote gamer, um, Majora's Mask and uh, that Moon one, Ocarina of Time are considered like one of like the most like extremely foundational games. Wait, um, you've
0: never played Ocarina of Time?
1: mm I never owned a N64. I've played Ocarina of whatever, Time. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Well, you'll be glad. You, this way you can ride a horse around, too. Um ah. it's actually pretty funny. Yesterday, I was watching Theru, like, spend 30 minutes trying to track down a horse. Like, she first she found a horse, and she went to a stable, and, and there's like, some kid who was like, oh, by the way, like, spotted horses are more docile, but, like, solid color horses are faster, but, like, more wild. So she then spends the next 30 minutes, like, trying to sneak up on a horse, um jump on top of it, like, one, she needs to sneak up on a horse without it running away, so she can't, like, she has to use the right angle, and two, she has to jump on a horse and then not have it throw her off uh, before she can, like, calm it, which... it was Anyways, Um, so that was, like, my primary uh, primary thing. I also read a couple new... um, Read a couple articles I shared with you uh, in the Slack channel. Let me look up. One of them is, um... One of them... A User's Guide to My Stupid Name, um... Which is who's that
0: by? That? <laughs> it's a trick question. Who's that by?
1: Oh, oh I was about to say. I, I was okay. looking it up. Um, uh, Sachi Cole. Um and you know, I think part of it is like as a as a second generation plus uh, immigrant, um, dealing with like not only people mispronouncing her name, but also with kind of the the fact that she doesn't really know how to pronounce her own name. Um, and, like, the, the, the feeling she gets when she returns to India, like, and is around family, um, and hears her name spoken there, uh, which I think it's it's a very funny piece, um, and it's a very kind of, uh, I guess, real piece for a lot of people who don't have, like, names that scan very easily. Um, and I guess I also read, like, some articles about, I don't know, The Melt, Gelato, ah eh, whatever. Um <laughs> How are you, Molly?
0: Um, So I just read uh, Everybody's Fool by Richard Russo, which is a mm-hmm. novel about a sort of working class town, um, mostly white, in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the sequel to Nobody's Fool, which is like a <laughs> older book. I don't know. It's one of my dad's favorite books. Uh-huh. Um, and it read like something that would be my dad's favorite book. It's... Um, it was entertaining but it was it was just definitely um by and about uh uh white heterosexual men um which is not my most favorite topic um but it, it was entertaining um other than that i'm uh currently reading the turner house by angela flournoy i'm not very far in it though but it's um pretty good it's about a a uh, black family in detroit who's trying to figure out how to sell off their sort of sick mother's house the house that they all grew up in um mm-hmm. it's got a little bit of uh ghost action in it too so um I, I was like "Ooh, this is thinking about haunting speaking of which i have been kicking myself since last whenever <laughs> we last recorded uh-huh. because i'm like how did we talk about hauntings and women's pain and blah 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 and not talk about beloved by tony morrison that is oh. my bad we will talk about that the next time we talk about haunting because <laughs> that is a huge huge oversight mm-hmm. um yeah my no excuses um <laughs> um and other than that i don't know that i've been uh, um oh i read that uh Profile of Hillary Clinton by Rebecca Traster. And it mostly depressed me.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, yeah. I read that too. And I think it did have like a similar, maybe not as strong effect, but it was um, for all, I mean this, it's an entire topic that I think neither of us really want to get into. Um, except in our other podcast, it uh, That's not really... <laughs> <laughs> Not really working. Um, <laughs> about kind of the role that misogyny plays. And I think, yeah, I mean, like, neither, neither of us are going to say that she did a perfect campaign or that she was a perfect candidate. Um,
0: oh, yeah. But, far from it. But
1: yeah, for sure. Um, but to but to look at the way she was received uh, both then and also after um, the election uh, was illuminating... Especially as we're kind of, um, I think one of the quotes I liked from the article was that um, I forget whether it was Clinton saying it herself. Um, what this is that she was like they were looking for someone to blame uh, for Trump, and I think you know her campaign was not zero percent to blame, but like to put so much of the blame, so much of the personal liability, so much of the uh, "you did this to us" mm-hmm. um, on Hillary. M- Like, while, you know, while it's not 100% inaccurate, um, the level to which it's been levied is not, is telling, I guess. Um, if we look back at Gore and Nader, they're, okay, I was like a baby at that point. I would not be, have been able to really, like, given you, like, a insightful fifth graders breakdown of that, um... And also, like, the the ramifications are much different now. Like, Trump has done a lot in his first XXX days in the um, presidency, which I I can empathize, certainly, with people trying to be like, you know, is there there someone we can blame for this so we don't just sit here and watch our planet, like, go up in smoke? Uh, But the level... Yeah. Sorry, Molly. It's... it's (laughs)
0: yeah it's it's uh it's an interesting profile um yeah i think mostly i i agree that what really got me was just the the way that it really like laid bare the the foundational uh misogyny that was just kind of part of all of politicking and all of sort of governmental everything Anyway, that's a note to end on. Speaking of depression, uh,
1: <laughs> right? It's, I think. Um, oh God, yeah. Too bad none of us have watched the, the political shows. Although I'm sure we could do like another episode about like Veep twenty four. Uh, I did. Wayne. I did
0: keep seeing a clip from Veep where Selena's like. Um, what did she say? Selena's so like, I'm not depressed. I just, you know, I'm disappointed in everyone around me, and nothing turns out right, and I'm always sad. And don't say it's because I'm not sleeping, because I'm getting 14 hours a night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh god, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so real. Um, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably have to catch a beep once I, uh, once it ends up it's... on Amazon Prime or whatever,
1: or once it's at a safe distance from. <laughs> Our current situation. All right. Our current situation. It's well, because I can't that, say the words.
0: House of Cards just came back. So oh. have fun with that, people who watch that show. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, what if we had a super corrupt government? Oh, oh, I
1: imagine. I think it'll be funny. I really like, you know, you've read the stuff about Veep where they're like, yeah, we have to like change the direction of our show because of, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this is this is getting into like whatever. I, I I also like how I keep saying the current administration because I can't say President Trump without like wincing yeah yeah just the aftertaste yeah Um, all right well thanks for tuning in uh this i'm al sly
0: i'm molly curran and until next time stay hungry